Like most of human history, this show is filled with coarse language, is totally filthy, and is absolutely unfit for children. Listener discretion is advised. on my phone who can't hear me it's so much fun are you doing okay no <laughs> <laughs> this he, is all i've got he right almost now. just broke like that was you, like you a glimpse a... like the the mask cracked I, I, like, a little you saw, bit you saw a slip like you saw a little crack there yeah hmm. i have nothing left in my life but cucking patricia into silver league we're getting married next year. <laughs> yeah, that's your mistake to live yeah, with. Yeah, I know. I've made my bed. Now I lie in it. Uh, speaking of making beds, oh, do you guys want to hear this finally? my bed. Okay, so uh, this is uh, from Slate Sex Advice Column. That's oh, a great title. Start. Great start. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I already hate it. Title. My wife wants us to have sex with her brother. No. <laughs> no. No, no, it gets better. I'm not opposed in principle. Pornhub's <laughs> <laughs> so weird, like, incest agenda is finally starting to work its way into our society. <laughs> My wife and I have been in an open marriage for five years. On the whole, our relationship has been uncommonly open and supportive. We both strive to encourage one another to explore and even playfully push the limits romantically and sexually. For as long as I've known her, my wife has been interested in incest roleplay. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. <laughs> well, it okay. isn't my cup of tea exactly. I've been willing and happy to support her in her, in her exploration of this kind of fantasy and roleplay. Often she'll have me dress up as her father. No. <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> Wear his clone, etc. No. While she will wear her high school clothes. Oh my god. <laughs> her high She. This woman's Ooh. insane. Okay, so this woman actively <laughs> fantasizes about her father. And her brother. And her. Well, I'm more concerned about the father pedophilically. Oh, having yeah. sex with her. Um, recently, though, things have started to move in an rate. uncomfortable direction for me. Oh, it has oh, it! Oh, oh, has it! Has it! My wife is very close with her older brother, who is also bi, and with whom we often speak very openly about sex sex and sexuality. That's code for blowjobs. A few nights ago, after a few drinks, my wife got to talking fairly fairly explicitly about some of the family role-playing she and I are into, and her brother, who I thought would be kind of horrified, was not only entirely supportive, but vaguely expressed interest in exploring this kink with us. No. This is disgusting. Like, this is... Look, I am all... This is a cesspool. I am all about people having a free and open relationship with their own sexuality, but man... (coughs) When we got home, I expect my wife to make it clear that her brother ever joining us in the bedroom was entirely off the table, but instead she seemed to think it was a really good idea. No. How? Oh how? God. How? 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 If she's been working towards this for years. Yes. She's like, yeah. She's finally. been. She's been. Honestly, no. It, no that's exactly been, what it is. As soon as, well, as, soon as you, you, know, you started off with like, oh yeah, my wife and her brother uh, want to have sex with me, or like my wife wants 
our brother or her brother to join us in a threesome and then proceeds to tell us like oh yeah my wife's been really into like incest role play i'm like oh there it is like yeah um bingo bingo (laughs) there's more Well, like I said, I'm not into the incest element of my wife's and I guess her brother's fantasy. I'm happy to play along if it makes her and him happy. Have they played this game before? I have no idea. My wife and I have also enjoyed group sex, so that isn't the problem either. I guess at bottom, I am just worried about how this could affect my relationship with my brother-in-law. Uh, at bottom, is probably going to really change the way you guys make eye contact at Thanksgiving. Yeah. At bottom, it's... you're probably going to be a bottom. Yeah. Oh, God. Whoa. That's, God, can you imagine, that's unbelievable. Can you imagine this woman's like slow, steady, easy. It's it's in. you know that um that meme or not yeah, I guess that meme about like putting a frog in boiling water and slowly turning the heat up. Yeah. That is literally what she's been doing with her husband for years, but instead of boiling a frog alive, it's con- not... convincing him to have sex with her and her brother. Yeah. How do you not just like hear like hey baby? Right? Put on my dad's clothes and his cologne, oh, and I'll put on for my me, high school honestly, uniform, and that, I just want you to fuck Okay, me. well, that's That's all really bad. Yeah. For like, me, it's the cologne. The, the cologne is yeah. that extra little it's step so that makes it personal. very creepy. Well, that's, it's just like, how do you hear that and just not automatically, like, shut it down? I'm out. I'd be yeah. like, I'm bouncing. Well, it also sounds like she has a lot of power to, like, shape his because what he said was well i was waiting to just immediately shut it down but then she felt really open about it so i guess now i feel open about yeah it. this so it sounds like she he sounds like oh. a cuck well it sounds <laughs> like he's yeah. it sounds it's, like, it's maybe not ooh. cuck but this guy can get walked all over well he you'd can at pour least hot be convinced. soup in my lap and i'd probably apologize to you oh man oh, oh i've been sitting on that gold mine do you have any idea how hard it was to not bring that up to any of oh, you my good for Where two and a half that? weeks I just imagine you're like, does that feel good? Yeah. Yeah. Now tell yes, me I need daughter. to do better in my math class. <laughs> tell me I gotta mow the lawn. Tell me you need <laughs> to show up for piano practice on time. Punish me for sneaking out of <laughs> sneaking out at tell night, me my Daddy. Room's dirty. Take away oh. my cigarettes. <laughs> oh god. Why? That's, it's the like I said, no. it's the fact that like she knows her father's clone and makes him wear it. That really is the thing for me that like it's it's bad. Like that's already oh, really oh, bad. I like, I would hope not. God, how does how, how does do he you... go to like family events and like shake hands with Rob or whoever dad is and just be like, hey Rob, how you doing? Be like, hey Tom. He's like, how about hey. them Mets, huh? As you're like sitting as there, as he catches whiffs of his father-in-law's cologne and f- thinks back to how yeah. he ran. As you find yourself without really wanting to analyzing his speech patterns, so you can use them in bed later. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh Christ! Welcome to Drunk Thoughts, everybody. <laughs> we should be way drunker than we are right now. But I I'm am, working on it. Oh, I'm not allowed to get drunk. Yeah, so. she's not allowed to get drunk, and I really probably shouldn't be right now. So we're gonna have a pretty sobering episode. Y'all are starting out with a really well, sobering topic. Speak for yourself. I'm drinking a nice hot cup of water. It's <laughs> mixed oh God, you're a flu. fucking old bitch. I know. <laughs> I really love how I came in. I was like, I need to use your kitchen. I need hot water. <laughs> I need a cup of hot water stacked. You're, you're, you're literally like a tea bag yeah, or no, like no, no. no. You're literally the fucking dude from a uh, Men in Black. I need sugar and water. (laughs) (laughs) Except you're just coming, I need hot water for my bad hip. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's for the cough I spontaneously got today. (laughs) 
for her like fucking Victorian wasting disease. <laughs> I hope I die from TB. It's the most romantic. No, it's disease. not. Oh man, I played. Uh, I can't Elvis wait. No, I've got, um, got, excuse me. Have you seen Moulin Rouge? I've got the beginnings of a <laughs> no, script not. in the work on like uh, just like diseases that have been famous over time and what they're actually like to go through. I've like got, Alzheimer's. Well, yeah, I've got some like. Some, yeah, some fucking big... notebook made that look romantic. It <laughs> turns out it's like horrifying. Oh my god! No shit! Holy shit! Yeah, and so is TB. I've, oh, I've um, got, like it's not good. Journals from Sorry. people, and it's not the journals of the people that like talk about it that are the scariest. It's the journals of the people that have it because most of them don't realize that their brain is deteriorating. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Syphilis is the other really crazy yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> if you want an example of that, maybe look at our president. I don't know. Well, have yeah. you heard that rumor? Oh yeah. Yeah, that yeah, it's yeah, untreated yeah. syphilis. Yeah. I don't I don't think that that's true. I don't yeah, I was gonna say I don't oh. know if I believe it. No. God, but, but I will say it is funny a, to think about. Would that not be a fucking treat to find out? <laughs> I mean no but oh. Yeah that's right. I don't want the guy with the nuclear launch codes to have untreated syphilis no as much as i dislike him and you know think he may it's deserve just like one it one of those things it's like see yeah see yeah i would like an explanation yes <laughs> but honestly yeah but yeah it would so answer questions I'm, at least i'm working on some of those that might be like a mini series that i do every once in a while terrible diseases we could do that terrible historical diseases honestly that'd be a really good discussion oh, yeah. episode. oh yeah my favorite is the uh smallpox well smallpox is crazy but the uh the, the longest running throughout all of history tra- uh treatment for how to cure syphilis mm-hmm. you guys know oh wasn't it what they would inject a mercury into your, put into mercury your dick? right up your dick hole yep <laughs> they would just take a ram's horn file the point down until it was basically a big syringe shove that puppy right in and pour mercury into your dick I bet it didn't help. Oh, it did. You know why? Because mercury kills pretty much fucking everything. <laughs> including your dick. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, including you. Yeah, you're like, well, oh, it fell Christ. off. But, uh... Well, if we do do that episode, I call consumption. <laughs> I'm I'm absolutely <laughs> taking smallpox. Have you read, um, what is it, Devil or Demon in the Freezer? Oh, I yeah. fucking love that book. Great it's the most book. terrifying book I've ever read, but I love it so much. It's when so record, good. When we record that episode, I'm going to come in dressed as Satine from Moulin Rouge and like, casually cough into my handkerchief (laughs) and like blood comes out. Do the episode in character. You just want to do that because she briefly ends up with Ewan uh, Ewan McGregor Uh, and that's like your dream. I don't like Nicole Kidman but I love Ewan McGregor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. She watches the movie with her hand up so that she can just cover Nicole Kidman's face. Um, That's rude. I (laughs) print out a picture of my face and put it on the TV. (laughs) She's got the screen time down so she knows when to move it. I know. I just get in front of it and like as soon as Nicole Kidman starts to sing, I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's my turn, bitch, shut the fuck up. I've walked in on her alone, and when Nicole Kidman's on, she covers her ears and goes, la, 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 la. And then you would start singing, and I'm like, go on. All right, she's like, three, you two, walk in. one, and go. <laughs> you walk in, she's just sitting there in the dark room watching, like, Ewan, you took me mine. <laughs> she doesn't need the TV on for that situation. That's just... <laughs> Just caressing the TV screen. All I need is a is a dark room and a corner and maybe a lit candle or two. Yeah. Oh boy. So Jake, what are we talking about today? Um, we are going to discuss a fun guy named Dallas Studemeyer. Okay. Um, Dallas Studemeyer was an old West lawman and gunfighter who made his name in the remote boom town of El Paso, Texas. He's got a name like uh, a like he could own a sausage factory. It's not. It's a great name, Dallas yeah. Studemeyer. The nineteenth uh, century is my favorite time period for names they're great there are some really fun ones in this there's a big range yeah one of my favorite names however is doug dimmadome owner of the dimsdale dimmadome 
Come on. Okay. <laughs> what are we doing this to ourselves? I don't know. Related, it's Western themed. Yeah. Sure. Um, no. So speaking as a fan of American Western history, a lot of what we think we know about the west is uh myth essentially yeah stoodmeyer is not myth this dude is the real deal he killed as far as i can tell at least 10 men during his time as the uh, marshal of el paso four of them within days of becoming town marshal by the time off the bang (laughs) yep by the 10 yeah yeah. (laughs) it's that's a fucking great story uh by the time he died in september 1882 at 36 Stoudemire had built a reputation as a lawman that, for in my opinion, puts him in the upper ranks of like real historical gunfighters. Wow! I mean, the dude's legit. Do we need a new category? Like, so we have our scrub list, and we have our uh, public enemies. Public enemies. I feel like. Are we, we gonna have a real gunslinger list? I feel like we need like a real badass list. True badasses. True badasses. The problem is, do we need, how many lists do we need? I like we are, lists. We... <laughs> I, I really like lists. Like, I like being organized. I really like lists. I make lists all the time. You do. You thrive on lists. I will say, this is going to be unofficially the first part in my I'm going to do something on all the famous, you know, Old West gunmen, because oh, they're fun as shit. Now the plan suddenly emerges. Oh, very I, This shouldn't surprise you. To fucking your sheriff daddy. <laughs> I hate Ooh, it. Sheriff Daddy. Sheriff Daddy. Put me in a jail for rustling those cattle. <laughs> Rustle my cattle. I'm going to put on my high school sweatshirt and you can... <laughs> and you can act like you have you TB. Can, and, and, and you can shovel shit out of the barn. <laughs> oh, we all you should get a posse. <laughs> um... But yeah, this guy's great. I Jake, why is your why is your cousin in our posse? Oh, I hate it. God. Um so So my source for this episode was a Dallas Studmeyer El Paso Marshal by Leon C. Metz. Um this book came out in the 70s, so it's a little longer in the tooth than I would like to use, but there's really not an overabundance of sources on this guy. So yeah. this is kind of what I had, and you know, it works well enough. Uh, so in order to talk about Stoudemire, we need to talk about the city's most tied to, El Paso. When Stoudemire became a town marshal, El Paso had recently become a railroad town. Uh, the Southern Pacific hauled in an avalanche of vagrants, railroad men, murderers, preachers, developers, soldiers, politicians, cattlemen, con artists, miners, gamblers, and what Leon Metz called shady ladies. Personally, I prefer the term friendly women. Shady I was, when you said when you said and, I was like, please say horse. Please say horse. Please it's say gotta horse. be. It's gotta be. It's the it's the American West. <laughs> like what else was it gonna saloon be? Hooker, saloon hookers. Saloon hookers. The, the true trailblazers of the American West. The Oh, my, honestly, that is my favorite. Oh, really? Real style icons, too. Just <sighs> those corsets and those garters. Yeah. Working it. Yeah. They really take attention away from, like, the rotting teeth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they've worked very hard, too. Uh, so, El Paso sat at the corner of the boundaries of Texas, New Mexico Territory, and Old Mexico. Sounds safe. Oh, very. Um, El Paso first received its Charter of Incorporation in the state of Texas in 1873. On August 12th of that year, a Marinus City Council was installed. The latter dismissed themselves in 1876 due to poor attendance and meetings, and government machinery broke down. Guys, I just <laughs> feel like nobody's really, like, taking us seriously. seriously. Don't you have your heart in it anymore, you know? They literally voted to disband themselves, it and they all just like, went home. It sounds like a podcast. It sounds like us trying to record an episode. Um, it sounds like we're adults with very busy lives. 
Uh, the town had a plethora of problems, but even before the railroad boom, the biggest problem was law enforcement. Yeah, so basically during this whole time period, uh, shootouts on the streets of El Paso are almost a daily occurrence. I mean, this town is... <laughs> Can you imagine just, like, sitting in your rocking chair, like, on the porch, and you just see a guy get shot, and you're like, there's one. <laughs> yeah, it's legitimately that. This town is a libertarian's dream. It's great. <laughs> I just imagine, like, there's there's the shots act as like the starting pistol for the undertakers who all race out and try and claim the body <coughs> it's i always picture it's just like that's just how they tell time like you know instead of like the yeah. timing of the church bells is like oh two pistol shots rang out uh, it, must it must be, be eating th- time it must be 3 p.m well honey time to go slop the pigs <laughs> um so on july 3rd 1880 hey, why is your cousin out there <laughs> shut up Stop. <laughs> We're not you doing this, this anymore. You did this. This is your fault. It, you yes, did. it is technically. So on July 3rd, 1880, Solomon Schultz was elected mayor along with the new town council. Solomon Schultz sounds like he's not going to last. Solomon Schultz. Great. Like I said, 19th century great names. It's a, I it's love. a great putz name. It really say, is. A, Solomon Schultz. That's definitely someone in an old west town that gets the absolute snot kicked out of him. He's the guy in a town full of cowboy hats that's wearing a bowler hat. Yeah. yeah. Though honestly, Bowler hat, way more common in town. Really? Um, what was his name? Um, shit. Uh, he policed Dodge City with Wyatt Earp. Bat Masterson. Oh, yeah. He famously wore the bowler Rocked hat. The bowler hat? Yeah. Bat Masterson was great, what though. About the Do you know what he fucking did? No. Bat Masterson retired and then just, like, wrote about boxing for a New York City newspaper. Sounds great. Honestly, he's... Good for him. He came out better than most. He's, like, the only one that, like, survived and just went He actually away. survived to see Prohibition. Wow. He, like, spent the night before Prohibition was enacted just sitting there drinking whiskey. Yeah. He lived long enough to wish he hadn't. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so the new town government appointed El Paso's first marshal, a guy named John B. Taze. By the way, I'm going to run through these first few marshals because they're important for setting the stage. Right, but they're also going to disappear as quickly as the population of El Paso. <laughs> yeah. So, as marshal, neither Taze nor his assistant drew a wage. Both had to live on earnings from their normal occupations, which they could bolster the share of fees from arrests. Why would we bother setting up payroll? We know you're going to die. No, it's it's literally... Imagine being the marshal, they're like, yeah, no, you can, like, I don't know, you get a cut of any fees you levy, but, I mean, you still also have to be a farrier, too, or yeah. whatever. Like, you, you right. know, you work as, a, you own a stable, that's still your job, you just also have to right. confront, like, the armed murderers coming over the border. Well, honey, wow. time to stop shoveling shit and put on my shiny badge. Yeah, exactly. That That's seriously it. Uh, the town marshal also had the duties of maintaining the roads. That was just, for some Spear reason, that was their job. Oh, no. Shoveling, ditch digging, and also trying to arrest people. Thanks to runoff from nearby mountains, rain caused flash flooding that created massive potholes and turned the roads into mud. A taze would repair this damage by either using prison labor or literally filling the potholes with refuse. I thought you were going to say refugees. I no. Mean, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> the. The latter practice, predictably, lost both men their jobs on October 25th. Awesome. So they were hired on July 26th, fired by October. Who's that man everyone's spitting at? Oh, that's Sheriff Shitholes. (laughs) Sheriff Taze. So after Taze and his assistant were fired, they were replaced by A.I. Stevens, and his new assistant was Bill Johnson, the town drunk. Awesome. 
Bill Johnson is a was great that, drunk name. Was that, it is, it's, right? It is. It really it's is. It's fantastic. Oh, was that on his application? <laughs> Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson. Town drunk. Town misspelled. Drunk. Two ins. Two, two he didn't spell it at all. <laughs> he scribbled on it with yeah. crayon. He handed over an empty bottle of gin and was like, hire me. <laughs> so they were hired on October 25th, 26th, something like that. Quote, unquote, hired. Yeah. Stevens was fired on November 26th for neglect and dereliction of duty. Bill Johnson remained. Not as, Are you serious? Not, Bill stayed? Correct. It, he, well, here's what's even better. He didn't get promoted. He was still the assistant sheriff. <laughs> like, Bill was like, I did it, Mom. I finally made Look, something of myself. Hands. Yep. No, 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 Bill. <laughs> so on December 1st, Stevens was replaced by George Campbell, a Kentuckian with some previous law enforcement experience. Finally, a they novelty. Finally, they have someone who knows what they're doing, and hey, he's a local boy, Kentuckian. I, I actually checked to see if uh, Campbell County was named after him. Unfortunately, that is not the case. Damn. Is he from Campbell County? I have no idea. We should check. I I couldn't find anything yeah. on it, but. Man, this dude. What a guy. So, um, claim him anyway. My, what a guy. So, Stevens comes in, like I said, he is the first of their lawmen who actually knows how to do the job, Ma, theoretically. Ma, the sheriff can shoot. <laughs> <laughs> the sheriff understands the law. Um, however, he had a bit of a problem, though. As we said before, the city marshal is not paid by the city, but collected a share of fees from arrests. However, most of the people who needed arresting were Campbell's friends, and neither he nor they were happy about the situation. Awesome. Yikes. <laughs> so to make up for this, Campbell instead arrested tramps, drifters, and other people at the bottom rung of the town's social bladder, yeah. which turned out to be a poor decision since they usually didn't have the money to pay for their fees. <laughs> he arrested the poorest people. <laughs> yeah, who can't pay his fee, so uh, he's not making any money. What a wasteland. Eventually, Campbell came to a brilliantly simple decision. He just wouldn't enforce the law until the town paid him. <laughs> I mean, honestly, pay sound, up, suckers. Sounds like that needs to happen. And by the way, the town had money, so Metz runs through it in his book. They collected money from a whole system of fees. Fortune tellers paid a hundred dollars to work in the town. Traveling physicians, surgeons, and occultists paid twenty-five dollars to practice in the town. Whoa! Why are the fortune tellers being charged more? Because they're full of shit. <laughs> They don't actually offer a service. Yeah. So honestly, I think that's it. Like, a surgeon is useful to have in the town, so we don't make them pay as much because they're good to have around. I gotcha. You lay down three cards, and I'll tell you three numbers, and that's what you're going to pay me. <laughs> um, dramatic performances paid $5.50. Circuses paid $25. And fights between men and bulls, dogs and bulls, and dogs and bears cost $250 for each show. Damn. Damn. The town's that, they know where the real money is. <laughs> nope. The real money's here. The town's friendly women had to pay $10 per month each. Wow. That's a ton that of money. So they are just raking in <laughs> prostitution taxes. Yes, they are. Um, Campbell was aware of this, and it made him angry. So angry, in fact, that he came up with a plan to force the town to pay him. He would get all of his friends to riot and destroy the town, while Campbell would refuse to act until the town agreed to pay I'm, him. I'm sorry. Is this guy, like, literally do a pull in a number seven? Yes. <laughs> This guy's great. He is, he is straight up blazing saddles. It gets better. Oh my god. So, at 2 a.m. January 1st, 1881, El Paso residents were awoken by gunfires. Campbell's mob went ape shit on the town, shooting up the homes of various town aldermen and the mayor. He got hired on December 1st. It is a month it later and he's inciting a riot. <laughs> it's technically less than that because this is at 2 a.m. on the morning. And so, technically speaking, it still sounds like he's the best sheriff they've had yet. 
he's doing stuff. Yeah. He is technically being very proactive. He's enforcing some law. What was his? No, he sure isn't. What was Bill Johnson doing? <laughs> oh, he was still he he was working he's for Campbell. Still the deputy, he right? was the assistant. He's still the town. Uh, yeah, Bill Johnson. So a group of Texas Rangers were sent to end the riots, and Campbell fled to a nearby ranch. Uh, most of these Rangers depart, except for two of them who remained in town. A few days later, Campbell came riding into town, drunkenly firing his revolver into the air. <laughs> when confronted by the two remaining rangers with his arrest warrant, Campbell took the warrant, scribbled some incendies on it, laughed at the rangers, and rode away, promising to kill the mayor. <laughs> I can only dream of he, doing something like that. <laughs> he took his own arrest warrant and like wrote like funny little jokes like, on it and then laughed with the men who are supposed to arrest him. Just like wrote like And then left saying, <laughs> all right, I'll get out of here, but I'm going to come back and kill that mayor. <laughs> all right, I'll um, be here all week. This little event got those two rangers fired and Campbell was offered a deal. He could retire in exchange for not being hunted down by more dedicated rangers. He accepted the deal on January 14th. Cool. So he held the job for, what, 44 days? Did he ever get paid? I don't believe he did. Dang it. <laughs> but he got paid in laughter, and I think that's the real... <laughs> that was the real paycheck. So after the Campbell fiasco, the city council swore in Ed Copeland, a local saloon owner, with Johnson retaining his position. Johnson's now survived three... <laughs> like, is Johnson now on his is third... Like the preeminent middle manager. He, you know what he is? For the town drunk, he's not doing bad. Yeah. He's, he's like the Twinkie in an apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. He's a cockroach. He's a cockroach. He's a cockroach. Yeah. Cockroach. yeah. Good for him. Oh. Um, a drunk cockroach. The marshal will now be paid $50 a month plus fees. Oh, so he didn't get to benefit from this. Oh, yeah, no. He just got to be a town drunk and who's going to arrest him because he's the only other lawman right. in town. Right. So the city council decided that since they were now paying the marshal, they should be stricter about who held the position. Oh, the <laughs> should you? Yeah. Boy, I guess this, uh... Oh, this is so, this is great. I kind of want to get my money's worth out of this guy. <laughs> the new marshal would be required to post a $500 bond. Copeland couldn't afford this and basically lost his job as soon as he got Jeez. it. <laughs> uh, their greed backfiring, the town council now only had one real option— the drunk Bill Johnson Shut was up. literally the only man in town Shut who wanted up. the job. Where did he get $500? <laughs> Where no, did Bill it, Johnson... It was literally, they're like, you need a $500 copay, or like, bond. Yeah. Copeland's like, alright, I'm out. They're like, alright, anyone else want it? Anyone? Yeah, crickets. And they're like, anyone? They kept asking, finally, they're like, Bill Fuck. just, like, belches yeah, they, in the back of the room and vomits. Yeah. Oh <laughs> he's, like, the one... He's the drunk from Blazing Saddles, yeah. but not as, like, useful. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Johnson, shockingly, was a fucking awful choice. What? In his tenure as marshal, daily shootings were the rule rather than the exception. <laughs> the citizens of El Paso lived under what was essentially mob rule broken up only by the odd visit from the Texas Rangers. Awesome. A quote from Ranger Captain Baylor gives you a pretty good idea of how bad El Paso was. Quote, I have quite a time watching El Paso. I went up last night with a double-barreled shotgun and had two men armed the same way. We tried to catch the rowdies shooting in the streets, but they smelled a rat and kept quiet. They came near to shooting Judge Blacker's 13-year-old daughter in the head. I wanted to everlastingly shoot the daylights out of them. <laughs> this place is a shithole. I mean, it, like, it already was, it sounds like. But it's... It's like Somalia now, not like just in the sense that there is like 
no government. There is no law and order here. Right. Oh, man. Um, so the Texas Rangers were essentially a band-aid for a bullet wound, and the city council knew they needed a better permanent marshal. So on April 11th, Dallas Stoudemire was chosen to replace Johnson as El Paso's new marshal with only one dissenting vote. They went through six marshals in ten months. Did he shoot the guy that Good was God. the dissenting vote? Uh, we'll get... <laughs> oh, for real? No, he doesn't shoot that <laughs> okay. guy, but... So finally, we're to Dallas Studmeyer, so we'll do a quick intro of this dude. Uh, so Studmeyer was born on December 11th, 1845 in Aberfoyle, Alabama, one of nine children. Great start. Yep. In 1862, at age 15 or 16, somewhere around there, he enlisted in the Confederate Army for the duration of the war which for him ended up being until February 16th of the same year when he was drummed out for being underage. Oh, oh, cool. That's about the best possible ending you could have for being in yeah. the Confederate Army. He would enlist again and get kicked out again, and finally enlisted for a third time in 1864 again for the duration of the war. Was there, like, nothing else going on? I mean, he was from the South, and, yeah. you know, there probably was that kind of cultural expectation oh, of, sure. you know. Um, so... <laughs> During this time, he talked about being severely wounded four times, and he had received more minor wounds than he could count. An eyewitness later in his life said Dallas had 27 scars and three bullets still in his body from Damn his time in the shit. war. That's Andrew Jackson-level bullet wounds right there. Yeah. Um, like a lot of people in the post-war South, Dallas went west where he worked numerous jobs before a stint in the Texas Rangers starting in 1874, a time when fighting between the Rangers and the Comanches were raging. Uh, let's see here. He left the Rangers in December 1876. By this time in his life, he was six four. Uh, yeah, six four, tall, handsome, and the quote the kind of person who laughed a lot, and what he said made others laugh too. Oh, he was is, all, he, is he seeing anyone? <laughs> he was also a violently angry drunk. Oh, <laughs> and already a noted gunslinger who carried a pair of converted Colt 44 revolvers that he could shoot equally well with either hand. One of them had the barrel cut down into a belly gun, so oh. called, because it had an extremely short belly or extremely short barrel, and you would use it by jamming it into someone's belly and shooting. So when they say he laughed and other people laughed at what they said, they laughed because they were afraid. Honestly, he probably if he's probably sober, he probably is a genuine, like very charming guy. That guy. seems to be the implication. Very devil made character. Yeah, actually, there's a. We can pull up a picture of him. We know what he looks like. All right. Like, there are pictures of him. Have you seen young Joseph Stalin? Yeah. He's he looks like in, Christian. He, yeah. Yes, oh, he looks just like Christian. We've made that Christian. Many, okay. Yeah, we've made that He's surprisingly <laughs> handsome. Yeah, he was gorgeous. Yeah. But let's see here. Between 1876 and April 11th, 1881, he killed at least one man in a straight-up gunfight, was involved in two more killings as part of a range dispute, and wounded several men after a party with a bunch of German settlers went bad. Ooh. God, that's hot. He's great. Um, Dallas was encouraged to come to El Paso by his brother-in-law, Doc Cummings. I think Doc <laughs> Cummings also wears a bowler hat. Uh, Doc Cummings ran a restaurant. I am sure he had a bowling hat. Called it. Yep. Uh, and the armbands that hold up your sleeves. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the mustache is unfortunate, but otherwise... I actually think he looks pretty good with the mustache. I hate that mustache. I mean, he's got a big face. It I breaks think it's it horrendous. Yeah. He's got a very long face. It also goes keep like in, this! Also, keep in mind... That was definitely in vogue. I mean, it doesn't, like, curl around his face. It's just, you know, it's going off. Yeah, you're right. It's it's in vogue. He looks very much like a person of his time. He was also six feet four inches in a time when, like, people were much smaller than they were now. The man was literally a giant in his day. 
Um, so immediately after getting the job, Stonemeyer was told his first act, his first act would be to get the keys to the jail from his predecessor, the drunk Bill Johnson. Oh my god! <laughs> Your first job is to kick out the last guy. Yeah, that's it's, awesome. And it's the town fucking drunk. <laughs> Stonemeyer did so in a manner that was very characteristic of him. He demanded the keys from Johnson, and when Johnson took too long to get them, Stoudemire picked him up in the street and shook him until he dropped the key ring. <laughs> like, a like a fucking, fucking cartoon! Yeah. Like a fucking Looney Tune thing. He yeah. picked the guy up, held him upside down, and shook him until the keys <laughs> fell out, and then he just, like, dropped him in the street. I'm, I hope, like, a cartoonish number of, like, empty <laughs> rum and gin bottles, like, fell out of him. <laughs> It's like it's like any scene from Futurama where Bender get or Bender gets caught stealing. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh man. And this honestly kind of sets the tone for Stonemeyer's stint as the Marshal of El Paso. I love that he just physically picked the guy up and shook him. Oh, and Johnson would never forget that. <laughs> Um, oh great! Johnson carried a grudge over that Can't because I guess that why. was more humiliating than being the town drunk. I guess he carried it better than those keys. Yeah, she. <laughs> so three days after Dallas's hire on April fourteenth, a group of heavily armed Mexican vaqueros uh, rode into town looking for two of their missing friends. Uh, Constable Krimpkow, I'm assuming I'm saying that right. I'm oh, right. Yeah, I'm. God. I'm assuming I am. Led the vaqueros to the ranch of a man named Johnny Hale, a suspected cattle rustler. And the two vaqueros were found there dead. Oh. A pair of rustlers had been bragging about killing a pair of cowboys, and they were arrested and charged with the murder. As this is happening, a large crowd gathered in El Paso, including Johnny Hale and our dear old friend George Campbell, Woo. the latter of whom made it plain that he thought the vaqueros should be arrested for coming into town armed, and that he was dissatisfied by Stonemeyer not for not doing it. So he's already... He's already causing trouble. <laughs> he sure is. So tension built in town until the vaqueros, apparently satisfied that the men would stand trial, departed town. Uh, Stodenmeyer, present during the inquest and the murders, went across the street to get a meal. Krimpkow went to a nearby saloon where he ran into Campbell. And Campbell essentially said to him, actually we know exactly what he said to him, quote, Any American that is a friend of Mexicans ought to be hanged. Ooh, all right. Very intense. <laughs> really giving us that good Kentucky look. Good so, thing nobody feels that way anymore. Yep. Yeah, so the two men started arguing, and as that conflict escalated, Johnny Hale, now drunk, grabbed one of Campbell's pistols and shot Krimkow, who fell back and drew his own gun. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is fucking this is ridiculous. A of errors. Like, it just doesn't stop. Stonemeyer, hearing the gunshots, drew both of his pistols and ran towards the sounds of the fight. He opened fire and killed a Mexican man who was not involved in the fight at all. <laughs> yeah. Johnny yes. Hale darted for cover. He glanced from behind his pillar and was shot by Dallas right between the eyes. Woo! Good shot. <laughs> Great shot. Campbell, seeing that Dallas had killed Hale, tried to yell to Stoudemire that this wasn't his fight, his being Campbell's, but he was shot twice by the, rented, uh, the wounded Krimpkow. Krimpkow's first shot broke Campbell's wrist and knocked his gun out of his hand. Damn. The second shot hit him in the foot. At that point, Krimpkow uh, passed out from blood loss. Was he? Did he get? It, did he get it both the foot and the hand on both on one side or on both sides? I have no idea. It'd be kind of like, funny if it was on opposite sides. <laughs> diagonal, like na na na. Um, Campbell screamed in pain and tried to pick up his dropped gun as Stonemeyer whirled and fired on him, apparently hitting him in the stomach. 
Ow. He fell the dust and yelled at Stoudemire, quote, you big son of a bitch, you've murdered me. You <laughs> big son of a bitch. <laughs> you big son of a bitch, you've murdered me. Brady, so, I can oh. absolutely hear you say it. <laughs> I get shot in the street. You, you big, big son, son of a bitch, bitch. you murdered so me. So this is a famous gunfight that's called Four Dead in Five Seconds. And this God actually made damn. national papers. This was the <laughs> biggest. It's like a Yosemite Sam cartoon. Almost, yeah. This was like the big event until the shootout at the OK Corral. I think it was later that year, right? 1882? I don't know. That's um, all you, buddy. Yeah. Oh my god, that's hilarious. It's fucking ridiculous. I, I love that he just, like, hears gunfire, immediately runs up the street, shoots the first guy. He's <laughs> some poor Mexican guy. I, walk no, I, I walked outside and I shot a Mexican. I don't know what you wanted me to do. I thought you were like me, town marshal. No, I'm doing my job. Ugh. Yeah, I showed up. That's what I did. I showed up. Jesus. You want to get shot? <laughs> Obviously, I think we can lay a lot of fair criticism at Stoudemire for the shoot first, ask questions later approach. I mean, it's definitely effective in um, one way or another. I mean, yeah. And actually, there's a book by a guy, um, Eduardo Abregon Pagon, called Val uh, In the Valley of the Guns, which is an about a different story that is also getting an episode for me. I love American Western stuff. I'm going to do a lot of stuff on it throughout the show. Um, but in that book, Pagan talks about how lawmen in the American West were frequently outsiders with few social connections to the communities that they were a part of. I mean, it makes sense to do their job. Well, I mean, it was basically if you were a local guy, you may not be able to do your job, but being local gave you some protection. Right. Essentially, um, one of the things that kept a lawman safe was his local connections, you yeah. know, his family. Essentially, if you have people who could avenge you, that would keep you safe. Right. However, since most lawmen were outsiders, they tended not to have those connections, and that kind of led to a shoot first, ask questions later kind of approach. Right, because you're vulnerable. Exactly. Basically, if someone decides they want to go after you, they're not going to have anything really keeping them from doing that. Right. Because if you're an outsider and you have, like, maybe one other family member, they're just, all right, well, we just kill him and... Then we're done. Exactly. I suspect that that combined with just the fact that Stoudemire is a very violent man. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what leads to this whole gunfight. Dallas's only ties to El Paso were his sister and his brother-in-law, and that lack of connection would have made him incredibly vulnerable. This is the guy that owns the restaurant, right? Yeah, okay. Doc Cummings. If you could kill Dallas and Doc, no one would bother to avenge them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this event, Four Dead in Five Seconds, did not make Dallas any friends. But it cemented his reputation as a gunfighter in the uh, eyes of the populace of El Paso. He kind of approached this from a whole Machiavellian, it's better to be feared than loved kind of approach. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds like in this town, that's probably the case. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Among the people who now feared and hated Stoudemire were the Manning brothers. James Manning, Frank Manning, and soon to be joined by a third brother, Felix Doc Manning. We this have two Docs now. Cartoon. Yeah, this is and just uh, a how many of them, how many uh, Super Bowl rings do they have between them? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, thanks. That's a, that's that a good true. sports reference. I, it's the only one I got. I, don't it's, worry. It's, it's it's more. It's one more than I it's have. Probably more than I'm ever gonna have yeah. on this show. Uh, they were pretty upset about the deaths of Johnny Hale and George Campbell, both of which. Both of them were their friends. It's also generally believed that they were in cahoots with Johnny Hale for cattle rustling, that they were all in it together. According to Metz, these men were, quote, of bitter hates and fierce loyalties, and boy, would they fucking prove it. Both the Mannings and the local Texas Ranger contingent believed that Campbell didn't want the fight and had been murdered by Studenmeyer. Three Rangers had been present during the fight, and they unanimously agreed that Campbell, despite his behavior, is not a threat to anyone, 
and that they did not feel justified in shooting him. The one offered Stoudemire a loaded gun in case his ran empty. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. I mean, I won't help you murder him, but here's my murder and stick. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not going to do anything, but you But I'll like, sure, yeah, I'll but, sure um, make it easy for you to do it. Long-legged cartoon gunman. <laughs> so on April 17th, the Manning brothers found a candidate to help them take revenge on Dallas. Bill Johnson... <laughs> The he's drug ex, yep. Guess who's back? Me. The drug ex marshal who had probably not had a sober day since he had lost his job on April 11th, and had spent much of that time in Frank Manning's saloon, just stewing over. I'm Dallas. surprised he didn't spend much of that time in like the drunk tank. Apparently, he just went there. I I really imagine it was something where Dallas just didn't think he was worth the effort. Yeah. Like, probably that saw probably him. stung even worse. Oh, yeah. But he was literally, from April 11th to April 17th, sitting in a saloon, shit-faced drunk, just stewing over the fact that the six-foot-four giant man had picked him and up and shook him, him like a dog. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's fucking great. So the more he brewed on this, the more the Manning brothers encouraged him while making sure he never ran out of drink. Awesome. <laughs> they just kept They're fucking just feeding him. Keep they him just, drunk. They literally turned this guy into a goon. Oh my <laughs> they God. just kept feeding him alcohol <laughs> and kept like, oh, maybe if someone just shot Dallas Stutemeyer, oh man, that would be pretty good, wouldn't yeah. it? Hey, Bill Johnson, wouldn't it be great if someone shot Dallas? Yeah. Here, have another whiskey. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Another beer? Your hand's still shaking there, Bill. You want another drink? <laughs> so on April 17th, Dallas received an anonymous threat telling him to get out of town or he'd be dead before the following morning. It's like, it's like <laughs> written by Bill. <laughs> Bill, Bill hand delivers it. Dallas. <laughs> I, I His name's letter. on there, like, you know, from Bill, and love, then he just scratches it out. It's like, love Bill has been, like, blacked out at the bottom. Um, Dallas ignored this, but Doc Cummings did accompany him on the second leg of his nightly patrols, carrying a pair of his own revolvers to back up Stodenmeyer's. As the pair approached the Manning Saloon, the source of any trouble in their minds, because they already have kind of identified the Mannings yeah. as a a source of trouble Bro, in this town. Was- yeah, they they really are immediately because he got he got the position in what on the fourteenth? Oh no, the eleventh. Sorry, my timeline's messed up. Yeah, he got the job on the eleventh. This is the seventeenth. He's already identified the Mannings. It's like these guys are trouble. Yeah. I just want to make it very clear that I might have an unpopular opinion, but any time that there is a the blank brothers. They're here to right. stir up some trouble. Yeah, it really is. This is a fucking movie. I can't believe this hasn't been made into a movie. no good in town. The Blank Brothers, it's like, oh, yeah. gotta shut that down. Yep. So as the pair approached the Manning Saloon, uh, they failed to notice Bill Johnson sitting on top of a large pile of bricks by a newly constructed building with a shotgun laying across they his lap. They failed to notice it? It's dark. I okay. mean, keep in mind, this, oh, is okay. a to- this is a frontier town. They've probably got... Either oil lamps or maybe torches, honestly. I just pictured, I didn't realize it was night. I missed that. Yeah. I just imagined Bill sitting up there like, shh, be very, 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 very quiet. I'm hunting Marshall Studenmeyer. <laughs> <laughs> Studenmeyer shows up dressed as a woman. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like fucking Bugs Bunny. Oh, hey there, fella. <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing is a fucking Looney Tunes cartoon anyway. <laughs> so as the Marshall and his brother-in-law approach, Johnson jerked the shotgun up to his shoulders and accidentally fired both barrels. Awesome. <laughs> missing them both. Awesome. <laughs> Stoudemire oh and Doc God. whirled on him, drawing their revolvers. Johnson was shot eight times, mostly in the chest, though the, last, the, though the last one, probably the killing shot, severed his testicles and he <gasps> bled out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You know that was like... <laughs> 
they already shot him seven <laughs> times, and Alice is like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, also think about that. Like, these guys basically, like, you know, boom of a shotgun blast, both yeah. barrels going off. They both turn just fucking pump this guy full of <laughs> yeah. lead within, like, a second. Eight body shots, like, like, right off the bat. Were they like using it, revolvers, or were they using... Revolvers. So, I... So, throughout this Jesus. book, I haven't read of Stonemaier using anything other than... He had a pair of, um... 1860-44 army revolvers uh-huh. that were converted to fire, you know, cartridges. Yeah. And I haven't read him using anything other than those in his entire time. God, which is crazy. actually weird. Most people, like, the revolver is very much a backup weapon by yeah. this time period. You know, shotgun or lever action is what you do. Um, He was a, tr- like, legitimate pistol arrow. Yeah. He's great. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Reacting to gunshots, some men came running out of the Manning Saloon and fired on Stoudemire and Doc Cummings. At this point, despite being shot in the heel by a ricochet, Studmeyer charged across the open street towards these men and they fled. Oh my god. Because he's got, I mean, wait, they put like, what, eight shots hit Bill. Eight shots. They each were carrying a pair of revolvers. I'm assuming they weren't like firing them guns akimbo, though. Yeah. So let's assume that they basically switched to their less empty gun by that point. Right. But even so, he still charged a group of men on foot after he'd already been With shot. Like maybe three or four maybe si- Well, maybe six shots, assuming he switched to a gun that hadn't been fired yeah. yet. Yeah, it's possible. That makes that makes the most sense to me. Most people, they carried two guns back in the day. It wasn't so they could fire both at the same oh, time. No, no, it's no. you'd empty one, then switch to another. Well, I was just thinking that, like, I mean, they were surprised by Bill. They probably didn't hit every single shot. That's true. That's true. But So, eh. who knows? But, like, even so... Chasing down people that are firing at you. With yeah, one fucking pistol. charged him. <laughs> uh, soon enough, Doc went to his restaurant, raised a posse, saying, "Quote: Let's go kill the damn sons of bitches." Yay! The so po- it begins another night in El Paso. God, what a what a town! If you get rid of like the um like the disease and the smallpox and yeah. everything. The posse would be kind of fun. If you change literally every aspect of it, it sounds like... <laughs> just, if you made it happen Western. here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I paid money and then went and lived in this town and we had paintball guns instead of oh real guns... Oh my god, do you know how great that would be? Right? That would honestly be the most fucking... Oh, oh yeah. I, I would pay so much money for like a weekend <laughs> retreat. Do Westworld, but with paintball guns. Go to fucking Westworld. Right. Oh, I can just play Red Dead and do this. Never mind. Right. They're going to get a VR It's the best. It's so good. Um, the posse melted away a few days later due to a lack of suspects in need of a good hanging. <laughs> Come um, on, guys, let's go home. Well, we can't hang anyone. This is stupid. Oh my god. Um, these series of events start a feud between Dallas Stoudemire and the Mannings brothers, and Doc Cummings took this incident especially badly. Shortly after these events, Doc would tell someone, quote, we're going to string up all men such as he, re- uh, referring to Jim Manning in particular and his brothers in general. Yeah. Um, by this point, Dallas has killed four men in his first six days on the job, one accidentally. It sounds like wow. he's, yeah, you know, it's, it's, what they, it's what they brought him in to do. God. Just fucking murder people. Um, he's established a reputation as a fearless and pitiless man who's more than willing to shoot to kill. And if people need more proof of this, Dallas killed a further six men between the killing of Johnson and February of 1882, all in the line of duty. Awesome. I mean, the guy's intense. He is. He is. He's to, game. He is not afraid to play. Uh, this made his job both easier and harder. He was reviled by some of the seedier elements of town, but there were very few people who would stand up to him, and this let him go about his normal business quite peaceably. Yeah. Because <laughs> it turns out when everyone's expecting you to murder them, no one's really going to give you much guff. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
it's it's like some scene where he's like sitting in the saloon someone gets angry over a thing of cards like slams his glass down breaks it student looks at the guy's just me like nope no problems no problems here right. i'll buy a new bottle right <laughs> like just immediately calms everything down um despite a fairly good stint during his time as town marshal Studemeyer had some problems his antagonism with the Manning brothers continued, and his relations with the local Texas Rangers soured, especially after some of the Rangers began to become friendly with the Manning brothers. So were the Manning brothers, like, important in town? I mean, I think they are kind of local businessmen. Okay. I mean, they had a saloon, they were involved with cattle wrestling. I'd assume, honestly, you know what part of it is, too? I think they're local boys, they had more connections. They just were from here. Yeah, and honestly, I bet they were probably a bit more chummy to hang out with. Yeah. I mean, Bill Johnson sure seemed to like him. Yeah. But I think Bill Johnson would, you know, like anything well, they gave him liquor. Buying him a drink. Yeah. yeah. At one point, one of the Rangers, a guy named Frank Scott, got drunk and insulted Studemeyer. When Studemeyer, also drunk, heard the insult, he confronted Scott at the Manning Saloon, calling him and the other Rangers, quote, $30 a month sons of bitches who would not fight. That's pretty good. And, <laughs> that's great. Well, I'm going to keep that in my back pocket. <laughs> and threatened to clean them and the Mannings out of town before a deputy marshal talked him into leaving. The incident nearly got him killed because it turns out the Mannings had in their saloon basically had like a hidden room with slots cut into it and filled with shotguns. And they would literally just like sit in the Wild West John Wick style. It's it's legitimately like imagine like if you're looking at a wall and you notice like little like holes and they're just the size for someone to stick a shotgun barrel through. Good and they had like five of them. Oh <laughs> yeah, so the Manning brothers would exploit this uh, bad blood and convince uh, one former ranger man named Frank Beaumont to try to assassinate Stoudemeyer. Frank was given a shotgun waiting outside a saloon that Stoudemeyer had gone into. He waited there for hours until the evening when he thought better the plan and left. Dallas had been inside and he didn't leave because he had passed out from drinking. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so they're also kind of passing up some opportunities here. Yeah. I mean, I think the Manning brothers at this point are kind of like, yeah, we'll kill him if we get the chance. Yeah. But I kind of feel like if Stoudemeyer kind of let him go and, you know, didn't press it, Things might have blown over. Yeah. I also don't see that being in his personality, no, though. He, this guy, this isn't the guy that lets things go. Yeah. Um, this antagonism was reciprocated by Doc Cummings, especially towards Jim Manning. The two couldn't pass each other by without muttering threats and insults towards each other. God, I was like, seriously, it's like seriously, high school students. Yeah, it's legitimately high school students, but they're drunk all the time and they're carrying guns. So they're high school students. <laughs> I was like... I was like, the high school students are scarier for some reason. Yeah. yeah. Finally, on February 14th, 1882, this tension boiled over. Happy Valentine's Day. The two men met outside the Manning <laughs> Oh my God, it is Valentine's yeah. Day, wasn't it? Not that long ago. Shit, this is all kind of current. The two men met outside the Manning Saloon where Doc Cummings drew a pistol and verbally threatened to kill Jim Manning. A passerby distracted Doc while Jim went back into his saloon. Doc followed after him, threatened to kill him again. And finally, Manning responded, according to his own testimony, Jim Manning said, quote, We'll settle this for now and all. The two men opened fire on one another, and Doc Cummings staggered out of the saloon and f to fall on the sidewalk. He'll die shortly thereafter. No. So how does this work? Do they literally just say, all right, I'm going to shoot you, and then they draw their guns and shoot each other? It's kind of what it seems like. That's crazy. Oh I, I just don't get the thing of, like, Cummings runs in, the guy says, I'm going to fucking kill you. Gets distracted, and then later goes into the guy's saloon and like keeps doing it. Like, hey, I'm still what did you expect? You. He does the fucking surprise Pikachu face, so the guy's probably like, "All right, fine, let's do this." Right? Like, I just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's just like fucking like, oh shit, he actually was willing to fight. I like, mean, what? Don't don't draw a gun and threaten to murder someone unless you're gonna fucking murder someone. What's the line from um 
oh shit, what is it? The good, the bad, and the ugly? Yeah. If you're going to shoot someone, shoot. Don't talk. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's exactly that. Um, so in the trial over the incident, Manning was acquitted, something that utterly fucking enraged uh, Studemeyer. I'd also just like to say, just don't shoot people. Like, that's not the message. Please don't shoot yeah, people. Yeah, don't shoot people. Please stop shooting people. Let's not shoot people. I can't stress this enough. Please stop shooting people. Unless they really deserve it. No, no, no. <laughs> Jake. Drunk, Drunk Thunks does not at all advocate the uh, use of guns and or gun violence. Against people. Taking guns to the range, shooting pop cans or whatever. Sure. Great fun. Oh, yeah. 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 Tons great, of fun. I've had lots of great times with guns. Yeah. As long as None of them have As long as you're responsible. Right. And don't use them with alcohol. Yeah. And as yeah. long as you're not hurting anyone, you're doing okay. Unfortunately for El Paso in general, Doc Cummings had been about the only man able to control Dallas's temper, especially when he was drunk, which was becoming a much more common occurrence for Dallas after Doc's death. The ghost of Bill Johnson hovers um, over his shoulder. <laughs> Dallas would publicly confront jurors from Jim Manning's acquittal and would continually dare the Manning brothers to confront him. And again, it's to their credit, or to his credit, the Manning brothers are killers. Yeah. They're still afraid to stand up to a Dallas I mean, yeah. You know, openly. I mean, well, he's it's, he's alone in this town now. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing, too. He is the one person who would avenge him and give him that kind of extra level of protection is now gone. Yep. It's just him and his sister. Or, you know, yeah, his sister right. now. Um, on April 16th, the Manning brothers in Dallas signed a peace treaty, but it was really more of an agreement to hate on silent terms, and nothing had been settled. That also sounds like a Looney Tunes scene. That's, like, a weird thing in this time period, though. Everything was very formal. Like, you would have, yeah. like, a local town paper that would be, like, opining on, you know, the Stoudemire-Manning feud. And, like, you know... It feels like such a... Kind of like a hangover of the Annabellum South, kind of. Well, there's a thing... Um, I know in Tombstone with the OK Corral shootout, yeah. there are literally newspapers on, like, sides on that. Like, newspaper... Or the local town it's newspapers like local are taking sides. Sport, it really is. It's very That's odd. so crazy. Um, Dallas continued to drink, and this got so bad that on May 27th, 1882, the town council tried to fire Dallas, largely due to his now regular state of drunkenness. How did that go? Um, Dallas, hearing about this, appeared before the town council belligerent and drunk and declared, quote, I can straddle every goddamned alderman on this council. He then drew and twirled his revolvers, and the town council assured him that his job was safe and calmed him down. Oh, can you imagine... <laughs> Can you imagine? I could fuck every one of you fuckers. And he just starts spinning his guns and goes, whoa! Yeah, that... And that works. Why wouldn't it work? He's killed ten men. He's killed ten fucking men. Do you think you wouldn't be serious? Um, after sobering up, Dallas himself retired the position on May 29th, 1882, two days later. Um, it took him two days to sober up. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, Dallas spent this time, or, <laughs> so he took the, uh, over the Globe restaurant, you know, Doc Cummings' old restaurant, uh, for a brief time before being appointed to, as a deputy U.S. Marshal. Who? <laughs> who, who did that? Federal, or U.S. Marshal. They were like, you mean this guy can shoot? <laughs> I, honestly, that counts for a lot. And yeah. in fairness, I'm not going into it because Metz didn't provide much evidence for it. Yeah. But according to Metz's book. He was a good lawman when he was sober. Yeah. Like, you know, when he wasn't drinking, he was supposed to be scrupulously honest, you okay. know, all that. The problem is he's getting drunk a and a lot. Yeah. He's getting drunk more and he's a real mean drunk. Yeah. So, yeah, he basically was assigned uh, to a position as a uh, U.S. deputy marshal 
which meant that he was actually kind of technically, if it's on a totem pole, now higher than what whoever the town marshal is. My God. I, I think the town marshal was one of his deputy marshals. I can't remember the guy's okay. name. So they know, they're familiar with each yeah, other. Yeah, basically he has more power now. Yeah. <laughs> he has more power now and he has a feud. During a visit to Hot Springs, New Mexico, Dallas confessed that the stress of his feud was becoming more than he could handle, and a friend advised that he make a more sincere effort at discussing peace with the Manning brothers, to which Dallas agreed. So, on the night of September 17th, 1882, Dallas stopped at the Manning Saloon looking to serve a warrant. He glanced in, didn't see his target, and left, but not before being spotted. Rumors in the town started to grow that Dallas was looking for the Mannings, and they began to arm themselves, expecting a fight. Oh, so they're not reading the situation the way that he yeah. intends it. So, this is basically what happens. I'm going to shorten this. The Mannings hear that Dallas is looking for them, so they start arming. Dallas hears that the Mannings are arming and assumes they're looking for him, so he starts arming. The Mannings hear that Dallas is arming, so they get even more into it. The entire time, they're all drunk and getting drunker. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, basically, the entire next day, uh, September 18th, he has several run-ins with the Manning brothers over the course of their drinking starting around noon. I mean, this is like the the Cold War, but in super fast time. it reminds me of years ago when I was in school where, like, people would know that a fight was coming and you could kind of feel it in the air and everyone's kind of aware of it and aware of what's going on. Yeah. Um, they can feel it in the air tonight. Yeah, tensions palpably rose through the town as C.C. Brooks and J.W. Jones, owners of the Acme Saloon, kept relaying messages. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you say Acme Saloon? Yes. It's Fucking Elmer Fudd is behind the counter. Um, and that's what I love. These two, these two men are having to basically pass notes between these other two groups of grown men it's, because it's, they won't go and just fucking talk to each other it's like literally adults. Literally, just like John Wick plus high school plus Looney Tunes. Yeah. But they're all drunk. But they're all drunk. <laughs> so yeah, these two guys, uh, C.C. Brooks and J.W. Jones, spent the entire day relaying messages between the two parties, telling each that neither side wanted violence from the other. Okay. So eventually both sides kind of suss out that the others aren't willing to fight but don't, or are willing to fight but don't want to. Yeah, well I'm not going to back down, but... Yeah, and yeah. they agree to meet at around 5.30pm, and Dallas asks Brooks and Jones to accompany him to the Manning Saloon because they're the closest thing to friends he has in the town at this point. Okay. And they agree to go. So they show up, and there's Jim Manning's at the bar, Doc Manning is off playing billiards, or billiards and the um, other one is not present. Not there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently, everyone spoke together calmly and even in a friendly manning or manner. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> in a friendly manner. Sorry, there's I'm saying enough, manning a lot. Yeah. yeah. So during this conversation, Jim Manning went off to get his brother Frank. That's the one who was missing. Frank, Frank was missing. Yeah, leaving Doc, Dallas, Brooks, and Jones together. Uh, Doc and Dallas had a drink together, and at one point, Dallas turns to Doc and says, "Quote: Some liars or damn sons of bitches have been lying on both parties and have been trying to make trouble." <laughs> Oh, okay. Yep. We were so close. <laughs> we were so close. We were so very close. Doc supposedly replied, quote, Dallas, you have instructed the terms of your agreement, to which Dallas replies, whoever says that I have not tells a damn lie. Oh, man. Both, this is like, if, it's like, so oh, fucking no. ridiculous. This is like if the CW did a gritty reboot of Looney Tunes. What I, I really think it is, is I think Dallas was willing to bury the hatchet, and then he saw their faces and 
thought about it. Instead, like, stepbrothers, like, I can't it. do it. Yeah. I can't do it. Look at their smug faces. Yeah, fuck them. But now it's just turning into, like, the bad dialogue before a WWF round. But, I mean, that's, like, that happens so much. Yeah. Like, I've read a bunch of fights. It, I mean, for most people, average people the Old West, if you shot someone, you're probably shooting them in the back. Yeah. But for some reason, like, some of these style fights, they talk beforehand. Yeah. And there almost seems to be, like, kind of a declaration, almost. It's, it's like you said before, very formal. Yeah. It's, it's... Dueling, I think, technically still exists, but they're not... This is, like, a step above dueling, almost. Yeah. Like, you know, the next kind of half step away... Right. Away from there's it. Like, there's, like, steps that have to be taken to get to the actual shooting. Yep. So both men went for their guns. As they did so, Jones uh, jumped between them to stop the fight. An incredibly brave act, honestly, that uh, probably yeah. cost Dallas's life. Oh. Jones's intervention threw off his balance, and he drew last. Doc fired over Jones's shoulder, the round smashing into Studemeyer's left arm. The bullet severed an artery, uh, glanced off the bone, entered his chest, and struck a rib, and then exited through his breast. Oh my gosh. Uh, Dallas dropped the pistol he had been drawing and fell back. As Dallas fell back, Doc fired at him again, this round hitting Studemeyer in the chest, where it stopped by a photograph case in the warrant that had brought Dallas to the Manning Saloon the previous day. Holy cow. It still knocked the wind out of him, but the bullet base was stopped by right. you know, a little thing of metal and then a bundle of papers. Holy cow. Wow. Dallas fell out of the saloon drawing his pocket gun, with Manning basically chasing after him. Dallas fired his first shot, and the slug struck Manning in the right arm between the elbow and the shoulder, maiming Doc and causing him to drop his weapon, uh... Doc would actually never regain the use of that arm. Wow. Yeah. This shit's intense. So even dying, he's still He's still game. Like, he's... Oh, man. Uh, Wounded, Doc rushed Dallas as he stood up and grappled with him, preventing Studemeyer from firing another shot. As the two fought on the walkway outside the saloon, Jim Manning returned and drew a forty-five. He fired once at Dallas, missed him, and struck a barber pole. (laughs) Whoops. Whoopsies. Jim stepped closer and fired again. This time, the round struck Studemeyer just above and behind his left ear, killing him. Damn. Yep. Oh, fuck. Uh, the first witness on the scene found Doc Manning battering Dallas's corpse with his own pistol. Oh, oh my So they God. came in and basically Dallas had picked up, uh, or not Dallas, Doc had picked up Dallas's own pistol, was basically was pistol whipping his corpse. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so that's it. Studemeyer died. Holy uh, cow. During the inquest that immediately followed, witnesses all agree that Jim Manning ran armed towards the struggle, that he pointed what looked like a gun at Studemeyer, and that a shot or a shot rang out and smoke arose from the weapon and engulfed the scene, but no one would actually swear that Manning had anything to do with the shooting. Because now they're scared of the Mannings. But I mean, also, I kind of get the impression by this point that everyone was kind of sick of Dallas' shit. They were just waiting for yeah. him to be gone. But I mean, think about that. So you would agree that Jim approached the scene armed. Yes, sir, I would. And you would agree that Jim Manning, you know, pointed a pistol at Dallas. Well, it, 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 like sure a, it sure looked like it. It looked like a pistol. And then he heard a shot rang out and, you know, guns, you know, because this is black powder, you know, right. you fire its bale cloud of black smoke. Yep. Yep, that's sure what happened. Do you think Jim Manning shot Dallas? I have no idea. Couldn't say. Yeah, couldn't say. It was, you know, a lot was going on. Can you imagine the prosecutor just like, can we walk through it? In, the, in that time. unbelievable, it's that scene from SpongeBob where he's like, "This is a wallet." Yes. Yeah, it's exactly. it's actually that. Exactly that. Um, <laughs> the inquest ended thusly: "Quote Dallas Studemeyer on the evening of September eighteenth, eighteen eighty-two, came to his death from a shot fired by a six-shooter, forty-four or forty-five caliber, in the hands of party unknown." Jesus. The district attorney would not accept these findings and indicted Felix Doc Manning and James Jim Manning for the murder of Dallas Studemeyer. Both men were acquitted. 
God. This fuse arose partially over a power struggle between the Manning brothers and Dallas Studemeyer for influence in El Paso. However, within two years of Dallas's shooting, the Manning brothers left El Paso for good, and the feud had ultimately been for nothing. Oh my gosh. Why did they leave, do you know? Um, I think it was their business prospects dried up, and so they, they all just, went to pursue other stuff. I know up. one of them went off to try his hand at mining. Um, Doc lived a good and long life. Wow. I, I There is an epilogue, not an epilogue. But, I mean, I think Doc lived into the 1900s. Wow. Uh, Surprising, given his, I mean, the lifestyle he's living now. Yeah. Oh. But, man, that's, yeah, that's it. That's the story of Dallas Studemeyer. What a dude. Not a good guy. No. He's a fun guy. Like, I'm, so, I enjoyed researching this. I have a lot of fun with it. This is a period I love. I'm happy to move on from it, but I'm a little bit sad that uh, Dallas isn't going to be in my life for the foreseeable future. Because oh he's a character. He's something else, that's for sure. I mean, he's like, he's, I don't, he's not the worst guy in a bad town, but he's also definitely not the best guy this, in a bad town. This story is very much like a bad guy versus worst guy story. Yeah. At least it is to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, there's no good people but I mean, in this honestly, story. So here, here's kind of my thing with a lot of, you know, history of the American West. There's kind of a revisionist period where everyone's like, oh, it was completely boring and, you know, like. All yeah. the stuff you see in movies didn't happen. And, Little I House mean, on the Prairie yeah. interpretation. And I think what we're kind of coming back around to is like, yeah, it may not have been like a movie, but the places in the Old West that were violent were incredibly fucking violent. Right. And, I mean, Studemeyer to me is like, his story is just a prime example of that. Yeah. I mean, dude killed 10 people in what, two years? Yeah. I mean, he got, no, he got the job in 1881, was dead by September 1882. Yeah. So, relatively short time, he killed 10 men in the line of duty, nearly killed an 11th. Right. And it speaks and, to the town that he was in, too. Yeah. Because that didn't but, come out of nowhere. Yeah. But, I mean, also, he tamed it. I mean, El Paso, by the end of his time as a town marshal, El Paso was significantly improved. Yeah. Like, much lower crime rates. So, I mean, there is it worked. Of, yeah, there is something to be said for well, that, it's hard, too. It's hard to have crime in a town where all the criminals are shot dead. <laughs> have yeah. Been shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When they're laying in the streets. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's it's so much fun. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed this story of the, the, the ballad of <laughs> Dallas Studemeyer. I can't believe it has been made into a movie. Right? Like, I can just see... I, uh, I know there were talks about it. I can just see it. Matthew McConaughey. Actually, playing. I mean, um, he wouldn't be a bad choice. Honestly, a guy who I think could have done a really good job of it back in the day, like yeah. when he was younger... I think Tommy Lee Jones would have been a good student. Oh, yeah. yeah. Tommy Lee Jones would have been oh, good. Yeah. Maybe, Sam I was going to say, Sam Elliott has Sam the voice. Elliot. Sam Elliott would have been God. great for, like, one of the, for one of the... I want uh, Sam Elliott cloned. <laughs> I, I want, I want Sam Elliott to what live Sam Elliott, forever. What does Sam Elliott's clone smell like, Jake? <laughs> Is it your His father's, father's cologne? <laughs> no, I just, I want Sam Elliott to live forever so he can keep being in Westerns. Has he read audiobooks yet? He hasn't. We're not that lucky. Uh, we don't deserve that. Can you imagine him reading Westerns? I desperately want him. So, um, There's something what is so it? wholesome about it. Uh, Robert B. Parker's Western series. Um, The guy who reads them. Who is he? Titus Williver. Okay. Fucking great. Like, really good job. But, man, I'd love to have Sam Elliott do it, too. <laughs> I, I'd love to have that. I'm Like I said, we're not that lucky. We don't deserve that. No. no. Well, maybe someday. Uh, do we have anything we need to plug or talk about? Uh, no. Uh, thank you all for listening. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I was going to say, um, 
Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for bearing with us over that kind of gap. Uh, it's been a a bit of a crazy month for all of us. Brittany's dying. Uh, Michael is being overwhelmed with work, and then I was doing great, and then I got laid off at the end of July, or not? Jesus Christ, uh, at the end of January. So it feels like it's been six months. Yeah. yeah. So, like I said, it's been of a been a bit of a crazy month, and we're all kind of adjusting to it. So thanks for sticking with us and being patient. We can't thank you all enough yeah. um you can reach us on social media um we're on facebook we're on twitter at d thunks um we have an instagram i believe <laughs> i don't know we for sure really start actually using that yeah. we should that's where the kids are we should do more on social media but admittedly you know when i'm <laughs> we should be better at all of that yeah. um let's yeah. see you can also email us at drunkthunks at gmail.com. So reach out to us. Let us know if you have any, you know, ideas for episodes, you know. If any... you want to tell Jake to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Well, yeah. If we could get a bunch of emails that are just telling Jake to shut the fuck up or telling me to shut the fuck up. That'd or me. Great. Please tell, I need to hear please it. Please tell Brittany to shut the fuck oh, up. No. I need to hear it. <laughs> she enjoys it. I love it. Say it. Slower. Say it, daddy. Slower. Okay. Um, My mom listens. <laughs> i know is there anything else we want to talk about I think um we're good we're gonna try and uh, stay out of schedule to release about once a month yeah at least until things settle down and we're all for everyone involved yeah, yeah. uh hopefully I've, I've got a few interviews coming up but if those don't go well consider hiring me i work hard yeah. despite what i've said in earlier episodes where Disregard i said i was lazy you've ever heard him say <laughs> yeah. and uh, he's a great candidate yeah I can speak to his work ethic. Yeah, it's true. Ask um, I. I worked with him for like three months. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Um, what else was going to say? Oh, uh, we do have a potential announcement for the show coming up soon. We'll get to you all once yeah. we get to that. But, you know. We that's, got big plans. Yeah, that's a little bit in the future. And, uh, yeah, that's keep all. Your, Thank keep, you all so much. Keep your little keepers out. Keep your, just keep your little eyes out for it. Yeah. Look around. Just look around. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, you know. Please review us because that's awesome and we oh, appreciate man. it. If we can get more reviews, that would be huge for us. For Boy, every huge. like slash review, um, a puppy gets its wings. That's anatomically true. Sure. Um, yeah, thanks all. We appreciate you guys right. bearing with us. You guys are the best. Bye, I love you. I love you most. Bye. I started this, you slut. <laughs> you dirty hooker. You friendly woman. <laughs> Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it.